All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Three of Seven podcast. Um, so today's show is a little bit different. We're going to do a listener Q&A. So we made a post on the Three of Seven Instagram page a couple of days ago, and um, we had a bunch of you guys write in with some outstanding questions that we want to get answered we're also live on Instagram for this show. This is just something that we're going to try out and uh, let us know how you guys like it. Um, I think it's pretty cool for you guys to be able to watch this real time. And it's pretty much like you're sitting here in the living room with us. So this is a good opportunity, I think, for you guys to get to know me, Blake, and my wife, Brooke. Um, a little more like on a personal level, learn kind of what our roles are within three of seven. And uh, once we're finished with the Q&A, we'll talk about kind of what our roles are. Um, we'll talk about kind of the story of three of seven, how it was born, um, and kind of the process that we've went through leading up to the point that we are at now. We'll talk a little bit about the vision for the podcast, uh, the products, speaking engagements. I'll tell you a little bit about my journey with that, uh, the public speaking arena. And then we'll go in and finish up with the finishing school. <clears throat> we'll talk a little more about the finishing school and kind of um, what it is exactly, because I think there's some confusion out there on that, because uh, partly my fault, I've been kind of quiet on it, um, kind of working on it in the background, so... That being said, we've got Brooke behind the camera. Um, she's going to kind of lead us through this uh, Q and A. She's a little camera shy, so uh, I like being on camera. yeah. But uh, anyways, guys, so yeah, live on Instagram. This show will I'll release this show uh, tonight, and obviously when we release it on the actual podcast platform, the audio quality is going to be much better, right. and um, you guys will be able to hear. The questions and hear us a lot more loud and clear so all right you ready biscuit let's get shoot, started <coughs> shoot with the q a this is probably one of my favorite questions you gotta you gotta talk into your mic oh thanks this is probably <laughs> one of my favorite questions and it's from our buddy um jeff forrester and you guys have to answer it separately so i'm gonna start with blake um what was your favorite game to play together as kids and we can kind of roll this together or one of your favorite childhood memories together? No, I don't I don't remember playing a whole lot of games. Most of our stuff, most of the stuff we did together growing up was, you know, hunting or running around in the woods. Uh, we used to have some stick wars with the neighbors and stick wars. fight and beat each other with sticks. And me and Chad fought like cats and dogs growing up, but uh, but I mean, most that was my that's my funnest thing as a kid is just running around out in the woods and and playing, you know, hide and seek, swinging on the rope swing, yep. jumping in the creek, those kind of things. What what was that fight that you guys had um, at the Red Mountain House where you got, went into the road and just started spinning the tires on his truck? Oh, I'll tell that story because I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I did. I don't know what I did to provoke that. Blake, you don't remember? There ain't no telling. I probably went in his room and moved something around because, you know, I, he was always so meticulous about 
like all of his toys and everything in his room, they had to be placed exactly right, and it was always clean. And then, of course, my room was always a wreck. I mean, just a total wreck, and I guess it still rings true today. Yes. A little bit better. You at least take care of your stuff. Yeah. Other people's stuff now. So. Well, babe, answer that question then. Do yeah, you... so fondest memories definitely were probably um, – yeah, being out being out in the woods, like playing hide and seek, almost like type of like war games. Um, we'd dress up in all of our camouflage and ghillie suits and hide from each other. And um, and then too, like Blake said, we as young kids we we hunted a lot. I mean, we grew up in a rural area, and that was part of the culture out here where we grew up. And I think that was one of my fondest memories was on a hunt. Um, so I'll tell the story about when Blake um, sabotaged my truck first. This was at the house. Like I said, <laughs> I probably moved something in his room. And so I had this, my first truck was a 1979 no, model Ford F-250 pickup truck. And uh, like I say, Blake was mad at me. So he goes and gets in my truck and pulls it out into the road sideways in the road and literally just power breaks the truck and starts burning the tires <laughs> off of my truck um and they were like brand new tires too so uh obviously i look out my bedroom window and i see him just out there smoking the tires off my truck and uh, i run outside and we proceed to fight and i think my signature move back then was making people making you eat dirt yeah he would he would Put your face in the dirt, and I remember finally getting free, and I was running, and, and I and then I just stopped, and I found this sharp rock on the ground, and he didn't know I had it, and he came up close to me, and I cut his forearm right on the top of his forearm wide open with that rock, and then I really had it then. I had to get, get after it fast. I had to get gone. I cut him good, though. Yeah. He's made me eat dirt probably probably like a total of 10 times when we've been fighting about something yeah that's my signature move for sure but or dumping cereal on their head yeah, oh yeah you've dumped cereal on my head did he go run into your mom once you cut his arm no i think he kept chasing me so the my the fondest memory i have of one of our hunts as young children we were we were hunting together we were in our tree stands remember we were in those climbers kind of side by side and um on the cell tower yeah yeah up up by the cell tower and this pretty good buck walks out and blake takes a shot at this buck and i don't even know why we were hunting by ourselves at that young of an age anyways no, but how old was we? we weren't we i don't even think we were old enough to drive i know i wasn't no i had to have been eight or ten yeah that's old enough well yeah i guess so so blake takes a shot at this buck hits it knocks it down and then he proceeds to shoot the rest of his bullets. I only had like three other bullets. <laughs> he shot the rest of his bullets at this deer and never hit it again. So he runs out of bullets, and um, I was sitting right next to him, and I had my dad's rifle, and it was a 300 Win Winchester Magnum, which is a really big caliber gun. And this was an old Ruger bolt action rifle, and it was a it was known to have a lot like heavy recoil. So Blake runs out of bullets, and then he starts begging me to shoot that buck again and go ahead and put it down. Well, 
unbeknownst to him, I was scared of shooting this 300 Win Mag. And, of course, I didn't tell him that. I just told him that I wasn't going to shoot that no, deer for him. he told me, I'm not going to shoot it. If you want to shoot it, I'll hand you the gun <laughs> yeah. across the trees. So I offered to pass him over this massive rifle that I was afraid to shoot. And then I think he must have been afraid to shoot it, too, because um, we didn't end up ever hitting that deer again. And it, it We never found it. No, it got, got away from us, so... Um, obviously he was pretty mad at me about that, but yeah, most of our memories come, come from the, uh, the fights that we had and, uh, just being boys riding four wheelers and being outside for sure. Yep. Speaking of mama, right. She's watching right now. She just said that you did start hollering when he cut you with that rock. Oh, okay. So y'all just didn't remember that properly. Um, this is an easy one. This is also um, in Jeff Forrester's question. What's the favorite food that your mom makes? Keep it simple. Apple pie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to say chocolate chip cookies. Not peanut butter cookies? Uh, one, I don't know. I mean, I like them equally, but yeah. My mom definitely is a good at baking stuff, so we yeah. enjoy her cookies and cakes and pies. She is talented. Yep. Um, let's move on. So, at... I think it's Pedro Tomas. Uh, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, but he asked if we've spoken at any law enforcement events, and I do the speaking engagements, so I know for a fact we haven't. Are we open to that? Um, and Blake's got a background in law enforcement, and we feel really strongly about supporting our law enforcement. So Yeah, and so what's your background in law enforcement? Just give a kind of a rundown on that, Blake, because I think that's something that's definitely flew under the radar. Yeah, I, I was... Uh police on the road for two years and served on the SWAT team for one year. And uh, so kind of a short, brief period, but I was young, about 21 when I got mandated, so just the legal age and uh, learned a lot, learned how to talk to people, um, you know, get, I guess, get what you want out of people without uh, having to force them to do it, not manipulating, but, you know, just as, uh, just people skills in general, really. Uh, so it was a brief period, but saw a lot, learned a lot, and uh, learned some good weapons tactics and things like that on the SWAT team. Yeah, so definitely law enforcement officers are close to our heart, not only because of Blake's background, but, you know, I tell law enforcement officers every time I have the opportunity to um, to come in contact with them, not only do I tell them thank you for your service, but uh, there's – there's a whole other aspect of their job. And I feel like law enforcement officers, every time I come in contact with them, they look at me as a SEAL and they can at times almost place me on a pedestal because of, you know, the the, the tactics that I've been taught and just kind of, um, you know, the whole SEAL background. They, they really are very respectful of that. And, um, the, but, but a law enforcement officer... I mean, they are, they're essentially on deployment every day. They right. never get a break. And for us as SEALs, like, yeah, we'd go out on deployment for four to six months. But when we came home, you know, we got to take a wrap off for a little while until we started our workup and, and got ready to go down range again. But these guys are boots on the ground every day. We've got the utmost respect for that, for what they do it's an amazing job. It always amazes me how they can do the job day in and day out, 
and not become complacent because that's something that affected me while I was on deployment just for four to six months at a time, you know, toward the middle or end of that deployment, um, I would definitely become complacent. Yeah. So specifically to answer your question, yeah, we would, we would definitely be honored to uh, speak with some law enforcement organizations. We would be honored to even maybe put on some training type stuff. Yes. Um, I think that's definitely in our well, wheelhouse too. Um, and I think the finishing school is an awesome product for, uh, for law enforcement officers, mm -hmm. SWAT teams, um, you know, those specialty teams. And we'll talk about that later on, but yeah, definitely. If you're active law enforcement, former law enforcement, reach out to us at, uh, on off of three of seven project.com yep. and, uh, let us know what kind of speaking engagement, what kind of service you're looking for. And we will definitely do our best to accommodate. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's a tab speaking tab. And there's a couple questions you got to fill out. It's really simple. Um, okay, let's move on. So, uh, sock socks fan ATL. Um, so this is kind of a broad one and I want to change it, not change it, but narrow it down. Um, they ask, how do you pry or how do you each prioritize your life? Um, and I feel like we have talked about before, you know, God, family, um yourself you know what i mean like i mean do you guys want to speak on yeah, that yeah blake like, can definitely speak on that he's good at that yeah mm -hmm. and y'all will hear more about this in the podcast coming up with with my pastor but that's kind of where i get my priorities from is is from him modeling it and and essentially it starts with me and my relationship with god and then my wife is next my kids are third and then basically ministry work everything else falls below that and um like I say, you'll hear more about it on the podcast, but essentially, you know, you might think that number two or three or four might suffer because they're number two or three or four, but they actually benefit better because the best thing you can give your wife is a good relationship with God, mm -hmm. and the best thing you can give your kids is a healthy marriage and, and just trickles down the line. So that's how I prioritize things, things for me, and I will just reflect back at the end of the day and look at the decisions I made and and things that I did, and I don't always get it right. You know, a lot of times work gets ahead of family, and it shouldn't, and and sometimes it gets put up to number one. But, um, you know, that's always a good way for me to check and see where I'm at. Yeah. Well, and the the point in that, the, the whole premise or, or the whole lesson behind this prioritizing your life and putting really – for me, it's putting you, yourself and your spiritual life, so yourself and your relationship with God first. So a lot of people, I think, neglect themselves um, because because of they think work's more important. They think their relationship with their wife is more important. So, you know, they may spend all their spare time trying to make other people in their lives happy, and they neglect themselves. But in turn, if you do not put your own ship in order first, then you cannot go out into the world, into your family, into your business, and deliver any any value, any right. true value. So for me, that's how I prioritize my life. You've heard me say it, you know, 15 times. I get up in the morning, I read this Bible right here, um, and, and spend a little time in prayer. So that's my spirit. And then I go and take care of myself. I do something that Chad wants to do. Um, and then that in turn allows me to go out into the world and give a pure, 
perspective, advice, yeah. whatever it may be. So um, don't don't be afraid to be quote unquote selfish at times because I think it's it's necessary. Well, and the Bible even says to love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself first, how do you know how to love other That's people and point. treat other people? That's yeah. a good point. And I think people like Blake knows that have Blake works a full time job, the wife two kids and he works for 307 it's probably harder for him to make sure he spends the time on his you know on his self than it is for me and you i mean we have you know i just i can see where that would be a struggle for some people yeah and, and but but time but time is it, it doesn't have to be the same as me it doesn't like so I've been I've been criticized quite a few times just on social media on whatever it may be online type things about oh man you know this guy goes out and spends 4 hours a day training doing what he wants to do who has time for that well you know look I that my life has not always been that way I right. promise you I for for 12 straight years of my life while I was while I was active duty I literally my schedule was based upon the needs of the Navy, and Brooke can attest to that. I mean, I, I didn't do the things that I was really passionate about and I enjoyed for, for 12 straight years of my yep. life, but I was still able to keep myself in order. Even though I had far less time, mm -hmm. I just focused that time, and I made sure that I at least had some amount of time every single day to focus on myself. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's important, too. It doesn't have to be... A solid. This is where. This is what I will do. It. I don't have. It's hard for me to get a solid one hour block to where I can do something. But I might have twenty minutes, and I might can go, you know, do whatever. Maybe I just go for a quick run, or maybe you know, just something to to be active or something I want to do. Maybe I just get down and do fifty pushups, <laughs> yeah. or or you know, read the Bible for fifteen minutes, and then and then I'm back working or doing something else. It, it might be in pieces, you know. So yep. if you can't, if you are real busy and got a lot of things going on, don't get caught up and you got to have one big block of time. But, yeah. you know, it's time management. Yeah. There's there's a lot of people, not to change the subject, there's a lot of people making a laughing face, and I feel like it's because of your hair right now. Oh, well, I apologize for my hair. Oh, my gosh. Uh, what's going on with it? It just looks... <laughs> I don't know. What's that show you got obsessed with when you lived in Chesapeake, Eastbound and Down? Yeah. Is that, do you look like yeah. the main character with the dark well, hair? Well, that's kind of what I was going for. Oh my gosh. All right, let's move on. Yeah. Okay, so same question. Uh, this is the same person. Uh, let's go with first. This is simple. Uh, what's your favorite cereal, Blake? Uh, raisin, the Raisin Bran. What Crunch. an old fart. Raisin mm. bran? But I have been eating this uh, dark chocolate with coconut strips in it. Oh, snap. Been good. My cinnamon toast crunch. All right. So, same person, um, Sox fan ATL, says, can you guys each share a moment in your past uh, where you saw God work? Um, do you have any, like, I mean, I know you have many. I know you do, too. Who wants to go first? Blake, go first. One that sticks out to me is when, uh, and this is a whole other lesson in itself, but some of y'all might not know, but I only have about <laughs> three quarters of one of my fingers. His nub. Yeah, because I was making a table, and uh, I got mad and went to hit it with the drill, and in the process smashed my, the end of my finger like a grape, and uh, 
So, anyways, all that happened then, and my finger died, and the the doctor had to cut it off because it died. And I remember being on the couch, and I mean, it was it was hurting bad. The the uh, numbing medicine had worn off, and I could it felt like the end of my finger. The nerves were st- you know it felt like I still had it, but I didn't, and it felt like it was just curling up tight. It was painful. I mean, I was. I, I was near, I was in tears, and I, I can handle pain decently, but anyways, so I called our pastor up, and I said, look, I've I've taken some, you know, the pain pills, they're not touching it, I gave them time to work, 20, 30, 40 minutes, whatever, and I, I said, can you pray for me, and he was in downtown Marietta doing something, uh, and he said, yeah, so he started praying, and, and in the middle of the prayer, it just all went away, it was like I didn't, I hadn't even had surgery. You know, obviously I had, but the pain had gone away completely. So um, that is just a moment. That's just one that sticks out to me, one that I kind of cling to and and remember just because it was so vivid. It was like flipping a light switch, you know, dark and then it's light. It was hurting and then it wasn't uh, right in the middle of the prayer. So um, that's that's one that I, that I hang on to. And it's unmistakable. Like you yeah. said, like there's no... It's black or white. Right. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like it started feeling a little bit better and then gradually it was just just like that. That's Yeah. I wish people could see your nub a little closer. <laughs> All right, boo. Well, I mean, I think for me where I really see God working in my life, you know, I can look back on my life and I can kind of tell old stories that uh, a lot of people have probably already heard stories about, you know, things that happened while I was on deployment, you know, things that happened within our family uh, when I came back home from deployment and, you know, the battle that we fought together as a husband and wife. Yes. Um, You know, obviously I saw God working throughout all that. But nowadays I really really see him working um, in, like, my life from from a des, from an aspect of design like the people that he puts in my life the people that he puts in my way um that lead me along the path that i'm supposed to be on um for i mean for instance you talk about last summer i was out went out on kind of like a vision quest to shenandoah and did did like a three three or four day solo backpacking trip just yep. by myself super light and leonard yeah Oh, no, she wasn't with me. This was a different one. Okay. So I do multiple of these trips a year. I try to go out solo. And um, anyways, the whole time I'm on this trip, I'm like seeking God. And I'm saying, you know what? I came out here because I, f- I felt led to do this, you know, but I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to get out of this trip. And then at the very end, literally, the, I, I had four miles left to go to make it back to the car. And I run into Gina and Jay. And, you know, Gina and Jay were in a place that I think um, I was really able to have some some good conversation and to provide uh, a little encouragement to them mm-hmm. because of what they had been through. And I'm just like, you know, out of all the, the people that I could have met on the trail that day, uh, here's Gina and Jay. I run, in, run into them at, at the final moments of my trip. And now they've become lifelong friends and uh, we talk and encourage each other on a regular basis. So, and there's multiple people like that that have been put into my life that I just, I'm like, okay, there's no reason for me to know this person or have an audience with this person, but um, they, 
they're here and and they're listening and we're learning from each other. So I'm just so thankful that God is working in our lives and also in three of seven project to, uh, to provide those avenues and those people. Yep. It is. And it is happening too. this. We we just moved recently to an area right outside of Rome, Georgia, and we continue to meet these people in the community by chance, by crazy chance that their values align with us in three of seven. So I I totally agree with that. And I do agree with two of you saying that in the past, you know, we've had so many events that have just proven, you know, my addiction, our marriage, yeah, there's there's countless. Yeah, and, countless. And, and two, why? Are, I mean, why am I putting so much emphasis on the people that we're meeting? It's because you can't accomplish anything in and of yourself. No, if you just turn within yourself and you think that yeah. you're just gonna you're you're just gonna you know create this big magnificent thing like that's not the way the world works. The power of people, that is where it, where yeah. the power lies when when yeah. you've got the when you're surrounded by the right people. So uh, I guess that's why I put so much emphasis. Yeah. Um I, I think a lot of people might look at, you know, a former Navy SEAL or, or somebody like that as an, an invincible or maybe they can just, you know, just be so low and just you know, go out and accomplish whatever they want to accomplish. But I can promise you almost everything I've done, there's been somebody in the background that was whispering in my ear or providing something that in turn led me to the point that I was able to accomplish my goal. Mm -hmm. I have not done anything by myself. That's why I'm putting so much emphasis on that. Yeah. Yeah, It's just like, it's just like your body, you know, the body or the team of people have to accomplish it. Just like your head's no good with the, without the rest of your body. Yep. That's it. All right. Um, let's move on to the next question. Oh, first of all, Amy, our girl Amy with Salty Britches, mm-hmm. she said, uh, uh, I think she said hashtag Georgia mullet. So she's... Hey, this is, this is real life, man. She's pretty dead on with that. This is real life. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, we were actually talking about this before the podcast started. Um Ben underscore Goins uh, wants to know, is Chad going to spearhead another last man standing ultra like we did at Merchant's Mill Pond? Um, what, what do we call it? Poor man's backyard ultra? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, or any type of ultra. And yeah. he said, if so, when and where? Yeah, so definitely that's a great question, and I'm gra- glad he asked that because um, having an event is definitely something that's been on Blake and I's heart for quite a while and to be honest with you the reason that we haven't put on an event thus far is because Brooke and I have been in a big transition period in our lives we moved from Virginia back down to Georgia and we just bought this house just got moved in that's why we're sitting on the couch in my living room Mm -hmm. recording this show Um, we have plans to build an actual studio and office but we're not quite there yet so as far as putting on an event, yes, that is something that we are currently actively collaborating with other people in our community. So we've got our CrossFit gym, CrossFit Rome. Um, we've got an organization called Higher Ground here in Rome. Uh, we've got um, the bike shop that I went to today. Um, rest- they restore, I think it's called Restore Cycles or something I like that. F- I forget. Yeah, yeah. so, the, yeah, but, but all these great people in our community that are leaders and business owners. We are collectively and and actively collaborating with them 
to present you guys with an event um, that's going to be totally unique. We don't know exactly what that's going to be yet, mm-hmm. but it will it, it will happen without a doubt. Because right. again, and the event again is just the conduit to bring all of us, yep. all of you guys, all of you know us, all of the the leaders within this community together, and then that's where the magic happens. Really, is if we can create just a conduit to bring everyone together, and that's our main objective for organizing an event. So, well, of course, we'll keep you guys posted as kind of that unfolds and and we get it nailed down exactly when, where, and what it's going to be. Yes, but that that definitely is in in the works. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, yeah. Outside of outside of the finishing school. Yeah, um, yeah. something in addition to the finishing school. Yeah. Okay, um, let's move on. It's a runner NNP seventy one. Um, he said, "Chad, I saw that you and your mom completed a race together. It was the Duncan Ridge. What did you guys? What did you and your mom do? Yeah, it was like thirty k Duncan 30K. Ridge, thirty k. Yeah. Um, yeah. She says that she's the mother of three boys, and um, she wants to know what kind of relationship you have with your mom. And she says her prayer every night is that they will grow up to be kind Christian men." who are happy with good, loving wives and families. So to y'all, your mom has been a huge, huge part of, of why you, I mean, even why you went to SEAL training, just who yeah. you are. I mean, she's, she's yeah. huge. Well, I, I want to let Blake answer this real quick uh, first, because, you know, I've been, we've been gone for so long. Um, I yeah. want him to talk about what, what's your relationship been like with, mom over the last you know 10 years that i haven't been around to see it like or or what how did she raise you what are things that yeah. she did that really you think yeah. in adulthood have made it a big impact and i'll be right back well i think a uh i think a mother's prayer is powerful so you know her praying for her kids like that i think is is definitely powerful and you know you always need you always need your mama mm-hmm. you know regardless of whether it's when you're two years old and you've skinned your knee and you needed to put a Band-Aid on your knee or it's, you know, you're 20 years old and you got a question about why your wife's acting the way she's acting yep. and, and you say, is this normal, Mom? <laughs> you know, do women just act like that? And, you know, uh, she's always got your back, always there for you. So we have definitely had an amazing mom and dad and you know we're just we're focused on the mom because that was the question here but you know our dad dad played a big role in our life as well but mom was always keeping us up uh keeping us outside taking us hiking um you know kind of going back to our childhood us hunting and and uh just being outside hiking and and stuff like that so I think I, I hope that answers the question. But. No, it, it really does. And I, I want somebody to talk about, you know, how she used to do. I mean, Jenny did triathlons, ultra marathons. She's she's very much your personality, boo. Yeah, but like, but the thing about it is is so she never pushed anything on us. Right. Yeah, but you don't think that that created an example well, for yeah. you yeah, guys? What, I think her doing those things and doing, you know, setting the example and, and just leaving it out there and right. not pushing us to do it. You know, when we were ready to do it, we got out there and did it. So her her doing that growing up, I think, was a big influence. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is 100%. It, that's the most essential thing, I think, as a, a parent or an influencer is leading by example, and she definitely did that. 
Um, so as far as the re- relationship with mom, I think it's it's even true to this day. She never has tried to push us into anything, whether it was sports when we were younger, whether it was running or things that she enjoyed. Um, she always gave, a, gave us freedom of movement and and supported us yeah. um, no matter what it was. So when I decided I wanted to go and join the Navy and be a SEAL, like there was never a negative comment from her. I'm sure that she was worried sick, yeah. but never once did she make a negative comment or, or, or try to steer me away from that. Um, it was what I wanted to do. So, um, And then I think also, you know, raising us up my mom has a really really strong she's really headstrong and she's going to tell you exactly what she thinks um so you know coming up it was she she never tiptoed around anything she was never going to be one to bull crap you and she still isn't um if we deserve to be punished we would be punished um and she was just straight up with us she still is to this day and um we love her to death and obviously she's still healthy and um and strong enough to go out and do these races with us oh, yeah so um yeah we enjoy I, i'm enjoying catching up on time with her and one of the biggest struggles for me coming back here after active duty and after being gone for so long is like just learning how to talk to my family again face because to face face to face yeah because for the longest time it was just me and you bro Right. And it's like we would I would talk to them on a pretty regular basis on the phone. Mm-hmm. But now it's weird. I've even, you know, like me and Blake, like we we can we can have a a great a hour long phone conversation. But then a lot of times when we get face to face, it's like we don't accomplish as much yeah. uh than if we would have just had the conversation on the phone. And that's a really something that I've got to work on and that goes uh I'm 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 saying this because that goes also for my relationship with my mother my current relationship it's the face-to-face i think provides this this intimacy that's not present on the phone it's eye contact it's it's yeah and and i've never been a big talker either like it's i'm I'm a (laughs) yeah well i mean maybe with you but in a group setting you know I, i i i don't really ever say much so um i i'm looking forward to catching up with my mom and and really just forging that relationship with her uh, back to the level that I, that I want it to be at. You know? yeah. Not that it's bad. It's just that face-to-face interaction and, yeah. and comfortability with each other, you know. Yeah, I can't. And I have so many good things to say about your mom. And my mom's over here behind us, and she's the same way as your mom. It's just they, they constantly built us up. Like, I know your mom because she still does. Yeah, and we were raised by our, we were raised by our women. Yes, our our our, our fathers were again. Working. Nothing on not not a not a hit on them, but they they were the sole monetary providers for right. our families growing up. So they literally were working um, con- almost constantly, especially when we were really young. Um, so we uh, we were definitely we're thankful for our women because they've put a lot into us and molded us into the people that we are today. Definitely. I a hundred percent agree. Um, let's try to get through this one kind of quick cause it's, it's very technical. Um, this is Paul Henney and he says, seriously, these are my questions. So he's very serious. Um, how do you hydrate pre-race? And I, I believe these are coming to you. So pre-race, I don't really change anything for hydration. So you guys see me sipping on this gallon of water right here. 
Um, I drink a minimum of one of these gallons of water every single day. It's usually actually a little more than that. Um, so I feel like I'm always just really hydrated. So I don't pre-race. I don't change anything about what I do. I don't change anything about the way I eat. I don't change anything about the way I hydrate. Nothing like that. I literally just do the same thing that I would do the, any other evening. I get up in the morning, do the same thing that I would do any other morning, and I go and race. Okay. That's perfect. That's yeah. perfect. Um, And side note on your mom, I just wanted to put it out there that your mom, like what, three days ago, we did a eight-mile hike slash run. Your mom's yeah. still, she's still out there running and pushing herself and hiking. Yeah. Um, but anyways, back to Paul Henney's questions. Um, what do you do for weight training? So for me personally, I try to weight train. I try to weight train about twice a week. Um, most of the time, it's primarily lower body, um, and, and it's you know your your big lifts, squats, deadlifts, um, lunges, box step yep. ups, those type of things. I don't I don't get really wrapped around the axle on weight training. It's really for me. It's all by feel. It's what does my body feel like that day? Are my muscles fatigued? If my muscles feel good and fresh, I'll go heavier with less reps. Um, and if I'm, if I'm a little fatigued, I'll go with a lighter weight and more reps. But um, upper body stuff is, you know, I'm sticking with just your basic pull-ups, push-ups, stuff like that. Yep. And, and you, I absolutely hate core. I was about to say that. So yep. I, I, that's something that I, there's a lot of things that I need to work on. I'm not a very structured person. I like to do things purely by feel. So, um, yeah, I'd say twice a week for weights. I'm lucky if I get those in. I also don't necessarily enjoy lifting weights. I would rather be out here on the trail running, yeah. you know, for four or five hours than in a gym for even 30 minutes. Yeah, and I can attest to the fact that you absolutely hate core because me and you will do a weight workout and we'll finish with, like, barely three minutes of core and you whine the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – but it's necessary, so we've all got to work. Necessary to whine? Necessary? <laughs> <laughs> Core is a necessary activity for a runner. Yeah. That's just, I, I could be a better athlete if I would discipline myself in that area. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll be just straight up with you. Yeah. Um, okay, um, Paul Henney, he's got a couple questions, actually. Book recommendations, and I know you're going to talk about Dale Carnegie, um, but uh, how do you do, have, Blake? Yeah, what do you have, Blake? Um... The um, Miles, yeah, I've got a, a few. Uh, Miles Monroe has written several good books. He's got all kinds of good content, but one that I particularly like is, um, I think it's called Fatherhood Principles. Um, I, I think that's right. And then um, there's another one that actually Jeff Forster bought for me. Uh, it's uh, The Daily Stoic. And it's more of like a daily devotional. It's not a biblical devotional. It's just of um, like Marcus Aurelius and and people from from long ago and their quotes. And it just talks about them each day. So that's a really good book for for a daily read. Um, Chad does a lot more reading than than me, but but those are two of my favorites that I've had. Yeah. So as far as like um, books that are going to, I guess like almost like self improvement books, I'd say. Obviously, my main book is the Bible. Um, second to that is probably How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yes. Everybody's heard of that book. It's an amazing book. I read it when I was 
really young, a really young frog man. And uh, it's helped me throughout my life. And I read it over and over again. Every couple of years, I'll go back to that book. And then the, the last and most recent one is As a Man Thinketh. And I mm-hmm. forget who wrote that. It's a really, really short book. I actually just downloaded it on Audible and I listened to it like a podcast because it's like an hour long. But it is really, really solid mindset. It is. Power of the spoken word, um, the whole nine yards. And it's I, James I did, Allen. Yep. James Allen, yeah. James and Allen. and so I didn't I did I wasn't exposed to As a Man Thinketh until here recently. And I was just so blown away by how much it aligns with my own principles. And uh, he just goes really in depth with those principles and and puts his own spin on it. So um, yeah, that's a great book and it's a good quick read. That's something you can study multiple times. Awesome, perfect. Um, so let's move on to Paul Henny. I'm gonna skip uh, the last two questions for him to get on because we're we're going slow. Go. Yeah, we're going really slow. Um, not L.A. Um, asks, I'm just going to read her post because it kind of sums up her question. It says, when your legs are done, your mind starts to tell you that the race is done. Doubt creeps in and the negative narrative takes over. What scriptures do you play replay in your mind? And I think the moment when negative self-talk starts in the mind, when the negative, t- when the negative self-talk starts, how do you quiet it? Yeah, so the the negative self talk. How do you quiet that? I mean, it's uh, it's just the same principle. It's it's counter punching that negative self talk with positive spoken word. That's how you counter it. Even so, when you're just your legs are just you're in you're hurting. Well, yeah, you're done. you you have you have to have the courage and muster the strength, which it doesn't take much strength to speak some words. You should always have enough. You should always have the physical ability to speak words and counterpunch those negative thoughts. Because then again, it goes back to talking about how the, the thought is not as powerful as the spoken word. So that's how you would counterpunch that 100%. Perfect. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, this one is from, I don't know if it, it's Cape RK 25. Um, he says, Chad, what do you attribute your ability to ignore society's rules? Um, he says, AE, like go to college and pick a profession based on something society says. Um, how do you forge your own path and, and how did you get that mindset? How do you keep it? Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really deep question. And um, I've kind of, Kind of the best way that I can answer that is I have been able to just kind of be able to let go um, of trying to like hang on to 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 things like directions that I'm supposed to go. I've, I've been like I say, I'm really not a structured person and a lot of people may see that as a negative thing. But for me, it's been a positive thing in my life because I've been able to just kind of let go and let God take over and kind of lead me along my path. So I'm not really looking to society to kind of guide me on my path. Um, uh, another thing is I think it's just humility and and not being, I, I call it carnal, um, not coveting uh, material possessions. 
So I try, Brooke and I both try to live a very, very simple life. Mm -hmm. Um, We only really have uh, the things that we essentially, you know, need, like a roof over our head, um, you know, food in our stomachs. We don't drive nice cars. We drive, I drive an old beat up Toyota pickup truck. Um, we don't wear nice clothes. We don't, um, you know, it's like, so <laughs> we, we've really, really have, uh, we, I don't covet material things. I don't aspire to ever be a multimillionaire. I don't aspire to have wealth. Um, those are just things that don't interest me. And that, again, allows me to kind of go my own way and not necessarily look over my shoulder at what society says is important or what society thinks that I might be doing. And I've been like that since a young, young age, like in high school even. I mean, I was never popular. Like I didn't, like all the pretty girls weren't after me. Um, I I didn't have a lot of friends um, I drove an old vehicle, the whole nine showed up to school dirty, been out all night, uh, didn't have nice clothes, but it didn't matter to me. Like it's never mattered to me. And I, I don't know if that's just the way I was raised, if that's just the person I am, but that's what I attribute it to. You said, uh, you didn't care about pretty girls or the pretty girls weren't after you. The first time I ever met you, like ever laid eyes on you. I was at Texas Roadhouse with Dakota and you come the door of Texas Roadhouse flings open and here comes these two little short pretty girls and they're fighting like fist fighting and you're breaking them up and they were fighting over you. So that's not true. Well, was that, that like an old saloon? Like the door flung <laughs> open and Chad come in with his cowboy it boots was, and spurs? No, and- seriously. And he picked one of them up and threw threw her over his shoulder. And then he grabbed the other one with his other arm and was holding them back. And I was like, what is this goon doing? Like, I wasn't interested at all. And that was, that was the first time I ever saw you. Well, that was a rare occurrence. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Um... This, this is a good one. I like this one. MCGRP01. Chad and Blake, and this really does apply to both of you guys because I feel like the situational awareness is military and um, you learn that a lot in, in police work. Um, it says, how do you guys balance being vigilant and situa- situationally aware and still be able to relax and have a good time when out with friends and being around family? Blake, you want to go first? I'll answer, but this will apply a lot more. Yeah, I mean, I think that that, that's definitely something that I haven't mastered. So, obviously, you know, I don't don't like big crowds. And um, if I'm in a crowded room, I choose my my place wisely where I'm going to stand or sit. And, you know, I think that's just a man thing. That's not necessarily Mm -hmm. a military or police. I mean, I think men... Um, I think are just or, or should be conscious of their surroundings. Uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but there are times that, yeah, we need to relax. And I think that for me, it's just recognizing that when I'm in an environment with a super low or almost non-existent threat level, um, you know, I, I, I can turn off then. Like it's okay to, to kind of let my guard down and relax. So for me, it's every situation in life. I'm gonna assess the. I'm gonna assess the the situation. I'm gonna assess the people that are around me, and 
and I'm going to evaluate what the threat level is in that environment. And, you know, there's always the potential for a threat, but if it's super, super low, then I'm going to just tell myself, okay, I'm going to let my guard down a little and enjoy myself. Mm -hmm. But that's definitely something that um, I think that I could work on in a social environment and get better at. Um, But, you know, there's something to be said for being situationally aware. It can save your life. So, right. yeah. um, but if it's getting to a point that, it, that you can't function in everyday life, if it's to the point that you can't take your wife out to dinner, um, you know, that's, that's an issue. Or when you get home with your family, you can't turn off. Yeah. You yeah. can't turn that off and be able to that's relax. Right. I feel like that's where he was going with yeah, that. And, well, I think for that is we've created for, for that, for me personally, how I'm able to get home and really turn off and relax is we've created a very safe environment within our home. Like we, we are careful about who we let come into our home um, we've set it up in a way that it's it's just a comfortable, safe it, place to be. It's really snug. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And also, we live out in the country. So we don't have to worry about, you know, a neighbor being right beside us, right behind us, you know, surrounded, boxed in. Yeah. We're out here on the in the country, man. We look out our back window. It's nothing but woods and a yep. massive field. So I think that helps me too tremendously mm-hmm. to just take a wrap off, man. When I yeah, you're right. When I get in the city, like when I'm traveling and stuff, it's hard to get back to the hotel room and take a wrap off and and sleep soundly because it's just sensory overload. Yeah. So I think living out here is is, is essential for me. And, well, and, and you can turn it off so much that you get in the wrong truck, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I do now I do turn it off when I'm with you a lot of times, man. Cuz I mean, I yeah. trust him. I trust Blake more than anybody else on earth. So that's another thing that helps me is when I'm out with him when I'm traveling with Blake or doing whatever with him, I'm able to really kind of just take a wrap off and you know, let him take the lead because I trust him 100%. Well, he is, he's very good at knowing what's going on around him and paying attention yeah. to it. Yeah. Do you want to speak on this at all? I mean, I think what he said is all right. But I mean, for me personally, I can, when I go somewhere, you know, I'm cognizant of, of where I sit and where the exits are and things like that. But I don't ever really get um, overwhelmed like I'm, like I'm uh, too aware or, or, you know, so nervous that I can't, uh, can't relax. I just, I'm pretty easy going. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't had the experiences, you know, that a lot of other people have had in order to put me, put me in that mindset. Yeah. I'm sure you experienced a couple of things in police work that were a little sketchy. I have, but the difference is in police work, you know people are out to get I mean, you know some people are out to get you when you got the badge on, but if you you know, if you got your uniform off then Oh yeah, man. Well I can remember a time I can remember a time, dude, when I was in North Africa and I've told you this story before where, you know, we'd come in back to our little area where we were staying in the evening, man, and I'd have to drink a bottle of wine a night just to take a wrap off yeah. and get some sleep. And I'm not a drinker whatsoever. Um, and that's, you know, that, that's a problem. Yeah. And I recognize that as a problem, but I, you know, I was young back then. I didn't really didn't know how to handle it. 
Um, and so I'm conscious of it now for yeah. sure, but I've been there before Yeah. to where, you know, like, like Blake said, you didn't know where the threat was going to come from. You didn't know who was out to get you. Yeah. I mean, you were fighting a bunch of people that, you know, were in plain clothes and they didn't wear a uniform. So, yeah. you, you know, you didn't know what angle they were coming from. And it was re- that was a really hard time, uh, in my life just to be able to, you know, rest easy at night. Yeah. No, I, I remember too, when you would come back from deployments and just the first couple of weeks, you were different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember. Um, uh, this, this one can be a short one. Um, what book of the Bible speaks to you guys the most? This is from Z Werner, 2010. Matthew for me, Matthew's my, probably my favorite book in the Bible. I've read it the most times. I don't know. I just like I like Matthew's writing style. I like the details that are included in that book, and for me, it's um, it's just the this the the best storyline of Jesus's life. Uh, it just resonates with me the most. What about you, Blake? I think for me, I, I'm a lot more like logical and think about not like doing the right thing, but just think about things a lot more. So I like the wisdom books like Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, you know, Mm -hmm. like Proverbs lays out, has all the little nuggets in there of, you know, do this and this. And then Ecclesiastes is more uh, applying it to real life that, yeah, all the wisdom in Proverbs is real, but also life is real. And it doesn't always work out good, even if you're a good person. So for me, I like those two books because it kind of helps me to, um, I don't know, think about things better and put things into perspective. I agree. Those are some of my favorites. I'm I'm like you as well. I like the cut and dry, like this is how you should do something, yeah. period. Well, we were reading something last night, babe, that said, um, I forgot what book it was in, but it said, if you have a neighbor, don't visit him too much or he will turn to hating you. And we were like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, like if, yeah. if you go over there and pester your neighbor, they're going to start to not like you. And it was just weird that that was in the Bible because it was so, true. it was just, yeah, Real it was life. just like a basic truth. Yeah. Um, C. Fabish, he says he completely understands and love your perspective on the power of the spoken word. And I can relate to this question very well. He says, however, when you've been in a funk, um, just in general, what's your strategy to climb out of it? And um, how do you beat back the enemy when he's lurking? And I, I can feel this a lot. Definitely. Like when, which I think- have either of you ever been in like a bad place that you've literally had to climb out of? I mean, has that been a thing? I mean, I've been in the funk before, not to the point of, of, you know, like, that I would say I had depression, like medical depression or anything like that. But to me, it goes back, like we talked about our priorities. If your priorities are in line, your life will be in line. So if you're in a funk or there's something, you know, your marriage isn't going well or your kids aren't acting right or something, it's, it's almost always because your priorities are out of line. So for me, if I get in somewhere like that, I can look back and say, okay, well, where have I, you know, where am I falling short or where am I putting my priorities in the wrong place? And it's pretty simple to diagnose it, but it's not, you know, to get it back in line is not always as easy. Uh, but and, and you guys can use the kind of the thing we've come up with with three of seven, which I'm, 
I'm guessing you're going to talk about just kind of your diagnostic test of those three things and seeing where you're lacking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can look at your body, soul, and spirit. And, I mean, I'll I'll start off with saying I get in a funk on the reg. Yeah. I mean – Dude, I have days. I have days where I'm. I, I'm just straight up depressed. I mean, and I tell you about it. You do. I like. I'm a, like. I'm aware of it. I don't let it intimidate me. If I have a day where I'm just straight up depressed, whether it's because of something that happened in the past or a bad memory or something that's currently happened, or there may not even be an indicator. I may just wake up one morning and just be in a funk. I think the first thing to do that I do to take the power away from it is I don't keep it to myself. I just straight up tell you, I'm depressed today. This is weird. Like I just, I just embrace it and accept yeah. it. And if I, I I'm gonna tell you the right thing to do is on those days to get up off your butt and go and force yourself to. For me, it's to be outside and to run or be uncomfortable. Something to make myself feel alive again. To do what you don't want to do because yeah. you don't want to do that. Yeah, but know? but man, it's so it's so freaking hard. Some days yeah. when you're in that funk to do that, um, you know, and, and you know, hey, I'm just gonna be straight up with you. Some of those days, I don't force myself to get up and do that. Yeah. I'll sit right here on this dang couch and watch the Andy Griffith show all day. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, but but I'm aware of what's going on. Like, I'm aware today I'm depressed. I try to figure out what's causing it. If I can't figure out what's causing it, then, you know, I go out and get off my butt and go to work. Uh, some days I'll sit in here and just freaking embrace being, you know, being in a funk. Yep. Um, I think when it's something that's perpetual, that's a whole nother conversation. If it's a perpetual funk, that's when you've got to look at that body, soul, and spirit. Mm. You got to say, okay, yeah. something is out of line here because this isn't just a one-off occurrence. This isn't one day a month. This is a perpetual thing. So let's look at what's going on. Let's make some solid lifestyle changes, whether it's in the spirit, whether it's in your your mind, will, and emotions, or your body, and uh, and fix this problem. Right. And you know what? Even a just a real life example of, and they can, you know, the, we call them funks, but whatever it is you get in, you know, Chad's might be a day here and there, but for me, it's usually like a more extended period of time. If I, if I get down, you know, I, I will, I might be that way for a week or I might be that way for a month, but it won't be, you know, it, it might not be as significant as, as what Chad is, is talking about, but even something as simple as, when you guys moved in into the basement for a little bit, like where Chad sat and, and did all his reading and everything every morning, that was my spot. But once that, I couldn't use that spot anymore because y'all were living down there. So it put me in a funk for a little bit because something entered my life and I had to adjust and I had to find somewhere else. And it's fine. But, you know, a lot of times what I'm saying is that when you get that way, there may have been something that came into your life that, that is kind of, you're like, Oh, I didn't even realize that happened. And there you've went two or three days, and and you hadn't been in your routine. Or for me, it's routine because I'm very structured. But um, as far as doing the same thing every day, so to, I said all that to say it may be something that you don't even realize has came into your life, and and will cause you to be that way for maybe a week or whatever until you identify it, and then can go back and see what you need to do to fix it. Yeah, and and. I'm with you, Blake. I totally resonate with this question because I've 
after coming back from getting sober from addiction, it's like all those things that I never addressed at a younger age. I never learned to cope. I'm dealing with now as an adult. So the funk thing for me, he really does get into funk on random, random occasions. And it's usually short lived, but for me, it'll come and it'll stay. And I'll have panic attacks or anxiety or I'll, de- I'll be dealing with these things and it'll stay around, you know, for a month or two. And I'll have to journal or do things like you said to kind of figure out like what's what's the trigger? Like, yeah, what what's happening? You yeah. know, understand that a lot of times in life, like and a lot of people are going to think that this is absolutely crazy, but there's things going on that are like behind the scenes and and where i'm getting at with this is it this sounds absolutely insane but a lot of the days that i'm in a funk that i'm in a bad headspace at some point throughout that day whether it's online or whether it's on in, in the media i look and i see and it's an anniversary of something that happened to my brothers in the military like maybe it's extortion one seven maybe it's red wings maybe it's um you know black hawk down mogadishu you know these 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 times in the past that these terrible things have happened and like somehow it affects me and i don't i don't even have to have any knowledge of the event i just wake up that day i'm in a funk and then at some point throughout the day i identify holy smokes, this is the anniversary of whatever it may be, okay? And then I say, okay, that's the reason that I'm feeling this way. And, like, I can't explain that, but that is something. And and maybe other military guys and girls that are listening to this, you know, right now, like, don't dismiss those those feelings when, when stuff happens like that because there's something going on behind that, and I, and I don't know what it is. But well, I just want to throw that in there to tell you there is something. There are things in this world that, that are going on that we can't wrap our minds around. Yeah, and that, that's what I was going to say. And this, you know, a lot of people may not agree with this or believe it, but it's the way I feel, so I'll say it. But there is a a supernatural spiritual battle taking place too and that you know that's where a lot of that comes from it might be something it might be something very important that you need to go do that day but the devil the enemy doesn't want you to go do it and yes and he's got he's got some power also and can put you in that funk right before you you need to yeah right before you started saying that someone on instagram live said spiritual warfare yeah i mean right before so i mean like i say everyone may not agree with that but I definitely believe in it. Yeah, there there are a lot of factors that can affect your mood that we don't really acknowledge. I and mean, here's the here's the whole thing is that we say at our church all the time is that, um, how does Paul put it that um, emotions can be great servants but they're terrible leaders. So don't act on emotions. Know who you are and know what you believe. And that needs to be the principle in your life. And if you wake up that day feeling bad, you need to say, okay, fine, I feel this way, but this is who I am and this is what I believe, so this is what I'm going to get up and do today. You've got to be principle-driven, not emotional dri- um, not emotionally driven. Almost like fake it till you make it in like a simple term. Yeah. Like you know what you need to do. You're not feeling it, yeah. but you're going to do it until you are feeling it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, we're actually getting 
close to through most of the questions. Um, and let's go to Free State Ultra Runner. He said, uh, any thought to having a running camp somewhere on the East Coast? Running, speaking, and then he said traditional archery. I don't know if he knows you or something. Yeah, I mean, I think that ties right back into the event question, you know, basically three of seven presenting an event. And um, so, yeah, that's definitely in our wheelhouse. Uh, Whatever event that we do decide to create for the upcoming future, again, we want it to be totally unique. So I think that we will uh, bring speakers in, that we will um, develop other activities for, you know, family or, or people that maybe are injured and can't participate um, to bring some value to them and just have them out. Because again, the event, we just view the event as a conduit to bring all of you guys together with us so we can collaborate and just uh, have an awesome time and improve our lives. And we're getting some people on Instagram saying, I would like to volunteer to help. And that's definitely something that we'll organize when the time yeah, comes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And uh, thank you guys for all being interested and, and for the offers and, um, you know, obviously three of seven, this podcast, um, none of this, this wouldn't be anything without you guys, obviously. And again, going back to just the power of people, we can't accomplish anything in and of ourselves. Um, anything that I say, take it and use it and pass the word. Anything that you hear out of, out of this platform, you don't have to request my permission to use it, whether it's don't die in the chair, whether it's be hard when it gets hard, um, take it. It's, it's, I'm putting it out there um, for every, for everyone. And the same goes for, for you guys. When I see things that you guys post, I mean, we're all feeding each other. We're all feeding into each other. So. Yeah. Well, let's, we got, I think we got three more questions. And I'm pulling these questions off of um to be clear, we made a post on Instagram and Facebook a couple of days ago yeah. um, saying that there was a Q&A podcast coming up and we were going to do, and that's where I'm pulling these questions from. I'm sorry if you guys are doing Instagram live questions. We we're going to get to these first. Um, this is AD Cooks 1, and he said he's starting a young father's group uh, with a good friend at his church this coming up year. He says he's, he's nervous um, as a young father he doesn't feel qualified, um, but he wants to go on this journey. So any advice on leading a group of men when he feels unqualified to do so? And I feel like like you guys have had a lot of, of fellowship groups and stuff at your house. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to give my two cents, and then I want to hear actual practical advice from Blake because he's doing that right now. He is, yeah. So my two cents is for, for you, brother, like – Stop doubting how powerful you are. Stop doubting. Stop saying that you are unqualified because you are qualified. If you are in this position, you've been led to this position. So that, that, that's one of the things that I resent most about society is society is meant and it's designed, unfortunately, to stifle us as individuals, mm-hmm. as men and women. So Stop doubting how powerful you are. This is your lane, brother. If you've got the opportunity to lead here, it's because that's where God wants you. You are qualified. You have all the tools that you need to make this 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 men's group a awesome and valuable resource. No, I think um, for sure it, it's we lead a group of young adults at our church. Uh, me and my wife do, and. You know, we had kind of the same thing at at the beginning of doubting and 
whether or not it would be effective or not. And you, you will continue to have those doubts um, as it as it goes on. But but you you know it will be outweighed with the impact that you're having. So it's nothing more than facilitating conversation. Get something in there. Get a topic. Get in there and talk about it. People are gonna love. I mean, the men in there are going to love that. It's something that we need more of in today's world. But for us, it's it's a matter of, of just taking a topic, bringing it before them, and everybody talking about it. And after you get to know each other and the, and the group goes on, the the impact that you start having and people sharing their testimony of, of how it changed them, that's what drives you, and that's what will give you the motivation and encouragement. And you'll say, man, I, you'll get to a point where you say, I can't stop doing this group because whoever's attending it, I'm doing them a disservice by stopping doing the group. So start kicking it off is the hardest thing. And, and we'll talk some about kicking off three or seven, but it's the initial step of saying, man, you know, do I need to do this? Should I do this? Am I qualified to do this? All those questions. Just do it, man. Just start it up. And I guarantee you it's going to take off and everybody, everybody is going to get something out of it. And and some people are gonna it's gonna be life changing for them. So yeah, man, and yeah. and doesn't matter what your platform is. It doesn't matter how big or small your right. platform is. It, it sounds so cliche, but literally, if you help one man, that literally lasts for an eternity because it's passed along not only yeah. through his life but to his children's life, his grandchildren's life. It's an eternal impact that you can make. Yeah. So don't worry about the size of your platform. And that's the same thing with this podcast. Every podcast that I go on, every podcast that we create, all I'm worried about is if it hopefully impacts one single yep. individual. And that is it. That's all that's on my mind. When I go and speak, I'm speaking to maybe 2,000 people. All I'm worried about is that one person in there that it's potentially going to resonate with. So, yeah. you know, everything that you say is not necessarily for everyone that's, right. that's there in your audience. So you you got to get over that too. And I saw a I saw something one time and it was talking about products. It said a product for everyone is a product for no one. And I think it's the same thing for speaking to somebody. It, you know, advice for everyone is advice for no one because it, it it's too broad. You know, you have to be targeted. You have to have a target. Or else you're not going to accomplish hitting anything. Yeah, yep. and and I think going back to what you guys said, my favorite part um, for him was that he's there for a reason. Yeah, like he's starting that group and that he's leading that, and that all came by design. Yeah, so trust he, the design. He does. He needs to yeah. trust the design and know that that he's there for a reason. And um, I think the biggest thing is just taking the first step, though, yeah. having that first meeting, even whether you whether one person even. You know, you talk about impact in one person. Sometimes we'll have group, and there might be one or two people <laughs> show up, and we've cooked this meal, and I've spent all this time preparing a message, and like one or two people show up, and I think this is a waste of time, but it's not. That's right. You know, that might be the one person that needed to hear it, so don't don't lose. Yeah, um, and and he's listening right now. He he just commented. He he said he appreciated it. So yeah, awesome, bro. Don't yeah. don't never doubt how powerful you are, man. That's right. Yeah. Trust me. Agreed. Agreed. It's an awesome thing that he's doing to start. You know, the the fact that he's taking his time like you and Kat do to 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 impact other people. Um, let's move to the questions we had on Facebook. Um 
Chris, we, we only have two more. Um, Chris said, what is the most important part of your training? Um, and then after that, he put spiritual, physical, mental. So I'm guessing he's asking, like, how, which one of those three come into play the most? Um, I'm going to ask Blake first, though. Um, so training, the most important part for me training, I mean, I don't, I don't get a whole lot of time to train. I'll usually do, you know, one – one race a year. Well, can I rephrase the question yeah. then? So say like you're 50 miler, you did. And I saw you. I mean, it was <laughs> you. I mean, no, I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny because you, you struggled through it. Like yeah. you could tell you were at rock bottom multiple times during the race. Which one of those three, as far as spiritual, mental, physical, like what did you tap into to make it through? You know, to be honest, I don't know where it where it goes in, but the thing that got me through that race was accountability and and having Chad there with me. Yeah, he he provided, um, you know, advice and and hey, that you know, do this or do that. But the main thing is, I wasn't gonna let my brother down. I told him we're gonna go do this race, and I trained for it, and I got out there, and I ran into all kind of terrible problems, <laughs> but. We were gonna. I was gonna finish the race. I was gonna do whatever I had to do to take it, and the accountability is what pushed me through it. it uh, to be totally honest, if I was running that race by myself, I I would have I would have dropped out. I, I I probably wouldn't have quit, but I would have missed the cutoffs. We were coming through aid station cutoffs with like seconds. I mean, we were less than minutes. We were seconds of yep. like we got to get out of the aid station and go. So, um, so you know something like that. I. I don't know where it, where it falls in, but accountability, especially with someone you respect, is very powerful. No, that totally falls in. I and, think that's yeah. And I'll take and I'll attack this problem from or, or this not problem, but this question from a different angle. I think essentially he's asking what's more important, the body, soul, or spirit, when it comes to training yourself as a as a complete and whole human being. And I, I think it's impossible to answer that question because those three aspects of us as humans are so intertwined. They are literally, one speaks to the other, one feeds off the other, one depends on the other, and at different times, that relationship changes between the body, soul, and spirit. So, for me, they they are all uh, equally important, and I think they all um, deserve the the, um, same amount of attention uh, for me personally in my training. So it's not purely just going out here on the trail and putting the miles in. Again, if I'm not emotionally stable, it doesn't matter how many miles I put in out here on the trail. Um, if I'm not emotionally stable, I cannot go out and accomplish, uh, my goals, whether it's physically or, or mentally or business, whatever it may be. That's and, what three of seven is all about. You to be complete and be able to accomplish anything in a you know a good way. You have to have all three in line, right? So. And and I like the idea too. Like I wanted to bring up like when you did cruel jewel. Um, if you have all of those in line, some can actually compensate for others. Yep. Um, if you're doing well, because I mean that race, you weren't physically in the best shape. That, in the shape that you should have been to run that race the first go around but mentally you were ready and you were sharp and you let that in my opinion and I may be wrong but you let that carry you through that race no you're right and I and I do rely heavily upon mindset and you know you you taking that angle on it um, you can pretty much look at you know 
the not only the cruel jewel but even the georgia jewel that we did this past september where i was second place there um but i had i went into that that's a hundred mile mountain race i went into that race with a base of about 25 miles a week of training miles um probably for the three months prior to that race that's about all i was training and you know the, for me personally, I rely heavily on mindset and the reason I do so well at longer races, like there's a lot of people that can handily beat me in a 50K or a 50 miler. I perform a lot better in a 100 mile race because when it starts to get really, really difficult, um, I'm able to fall back on my mindset, my tactics, my tools, and that's what uh, pushes me and allows me to maintain my pace in a much longer endurance event. So you're right from that aspect. I do rely heavily on mindset more so than than necessarily the physical aspect of training. Right. Yeah. Right. And I don't. I think there's something to be said for that too. That um, you might be, you might rely more on that part of your triune being. But there's nothing wrong with that as long as you keep your other one strong enough to accomplish your goals that's yeah. fine if yeah. if your mental side you know is is stronger which totally. i guess would be soul um, yeah and yeah um let's go to this is this is my favorite question by far it's from julie i want to ask blake first um she said uh how do your wives motivate and support you she's just representing you know yeah what I mean? of course that's your favorite question of course it is yeah <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, it goes back to, for me, it kind of just goes back to the priority thing. If my wife is not okay with me taking extra time to go out and run or, or do whatever it is I want to do, then I'm not going to enjoy doing it. You know, I'm going to be out on the trail all day and I'm going to be feeling guilty because I've left her here. She stayed home with two kids for five days. And now on Saturday, I'm going to run a 20 mile training run. I'm out there, you know, most of the day. If I don't truly know that she's okay with that, then that time's going to suck and I'm not going to get full benefit out of it. So for me, as far as support, that, that is the best way I think that she supports me is by letting me know truth, being honest with me, say, no, today's not a good day. Really? I'd rather you not go. But if she says yes, then I really know she means yes. So for me, that's the biggest biggest support I have and encouragement is just, you know, just just being an example and and how she how she's a mom and how she's a wife and you know she encourages me by the example she sets. Yeah, so. and and to like little side note on how supportive Caitlin is. Today's her birthday. Yep. And you Big got 30. off work. Yeah, she's turning thirty today, and you got off work. And she was fine with staying home for the rest of the day with the girl so you could come over here and do this podcast yep. on her birthday. Yep. And and when we lived, sorry, when we lived in the basement um, and uh, we were, y'all shut up, we were packing orders, you were doing a lot of orders, you would get home from work and she'd been with the girls all day, no break, Yeah. and you would come home, go pack orders before, you know, I don't know, it's just... No, she's a, she's a special lady, and and it takes somebody like that to be able to support you, and and to see the the big picture. You know, it might be tough now, or, um, but but that there's better things to come, and to not get caught up in, you know, in the little things. And, uh, but yeah, that for me, that's the biggest way that she supports me and encourages me. Yeah, 
Well, I think for me, um, you support me, Brooke, in a lot of ways. I think one being uh, you really keep me in check, and you've been this way throughout my entire life and career as a SEAL. Um, you you always, I, I don't know, you're, you're always very truthful and real with me, and you're able to keep me humble like nobody else is able to keep me humble. Um, I think because of your realness and because you're just straight up with me. So that's that's a huge thing in my life is just uh, getting that feedback from you and, and you keeping me in check uh, in all aspects of my life. And then as far as physically, how you provide for me, obviously you are a excellent chef. You take care of us when it comes to um, you know, especially just having just awesome, healthy meals prepared. I, uh, you know, I attribute a lot of my health and physical, um, attributes and success to the way that you take care of our family from that angle. Um, so, and of course, you know, we could spend, you know, a half an hour straight just talking about how our wives, uh, support us and, and how they play. I mean, you guys are our best friends and our most intimate advisors. So it's uh it's just, you know, that's a that's a deep, deep, long conversation. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean I would have liked you guys to go a little more in depth, but I guess I guess that'll do. Um that's that's really it for um, the questions, do you guys want to open it up to, to Instagram live or, or do we need uh, to move on? No, I, th- I mean, I think what we'll do from this point, um, is if you guys enjoyed this Q and a type deal, definitely reach out to us and let us know, uh, this podcast is for you guys. It's a, the free resource that, that we put out. It's 100% for you guys as listeners. So if it's something that you guys like, we can start doing this on maybe a, a, a bi-weekly or a monthly basis. Um, but it's all going to be driven off of feedback that we get from you guys. So, um, I'm sorry, Boo. There's been a reoccurring question I think would be really quick and easy for you to answer, if yeah. you don't mind. Um, several people have asked when you're training um, for, let's just, let's just say, Cruel Jewels, what you're training for coming up. Um, what's your mileage and your pace? Okay. Yeah. I That's, mean, just keep it simple. Yeah. It's so it's a build up. It's uh, I'm I just started training for Cruel Jewel. Cruel Jewel will be going down in May, so um, I've got a, a nice long uh, time here leading up to it. So right now, I'm just building my my base miles up to around fifty to sixty miles a week, and I'll kind of hover at that point. Um, and what that fifty to sixty miles looks like is mostly long, uh, like medium effort runs, like somewhere in the range of 14 to 18 miles. That's kind of my bread and butter. And, and what kind of pace do just, you... Just a medium effort. I mean, it the, like, the, 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 the terrain determines the pace. Right. So it depends on where you're running. Like where I run, you're either running up a mountain or you're running down a mountain. So my pace can literally go from a six-minute mile to a 15-minute mile. Okay. So I allow the terrain to dictate the pace. I don't ever track my pace... Um, I rarely ever even track my mileage. Um, usually, I run off of time. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going out on a two-hour run, a three-hour run, uh, a 45-minute run, and I don't use my GPS watch very, very rarely unless I'm in, in you know, new terrain. So, um, but uh, around eight weeks prior to the race, I'll really ramp up. Uh, prob- probably my 
peak mileage uh, for that training block is going to hit around 100, 100, 110 miles a week. But I'll only maintain that type of mileage for about three weeks, two to three weeks. And then I'll taper off from there back down to that 50, 60 miles. Um, and the week before the race, I won't run a step. And then when I get on the start line, I'll be fully recovered and I'll be want, I'll, I'll want to run because I will have not ran for that entire week prior. I'll still move. I'll still be biking, hiking, you know, being outdoors, but it won't be running. Right. So that's kind of the way my training plan looks. And guys, I'm really, I'm, I really base my training off of feel. So what I mean by that is how my body feels that day when I wake up in the morning, not only body, but where's my headspace, you know? So, you know, that's why it's so hard for me to coach people because I, I'm not a structured training plan type of guy. I'm all about listening to my body, staying in tune with my body and pushing when I can, running far when I can, and then backing off when I know I need to back off. That's, that's the take that I have on training. That's perfect. I think, I think you covered everything people have asked. And um, the last question I wanted to address that people have brought up on Instagram is, did I allow that haircut? And the, the answer is no. I did not allow that haircut. This is real life. My my only, my only, um, I guess rule. I don't know what would you call it. Like it's not a rule because you don't follow it. Is that before today or before yesterday, your mustache ran into your beard. Yeah, so you couldn't even see my mouth. Yeah, your lips were completely covered, and and our intimacy was at at hey, a very low I'll level. A, I'll address this. This no, 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 no. I'll address this silly haircut that I have. So I actually enjoy when people look at me out in public and they think, "Who is who is that idiot?" Like I enjoy it when people underestimate me not that i'm anybody special but when somebody looks at me and says oh that guy's no threat look at that dude's haircut he's he, he must have came from uh the trailer park like and no, no hit on trailer I, I used to live in a trailer like no hit on trailer parks but you know like that that's a tactic that is a tactic like not not trying to be the biggest toughest hardest looking dude in the room yeah like if if that's what you're striving for um then in my opinion you're wrong yeah so that kind of explains my goofy haircut and um it doesn't really i i enjoy the beard i had to shave for many many years and uh when I got out of the Navy, I said, all right, I'm growing the beard out. So that's where the beard comes from. But yeah. anyway. And I'm the only victim in that tactic. Yeah. To be clear, I'm fine with the beard. It's just the mustache and the the haircut's a little, yeah. It's got a good flow to it. This yeah. does not have a good flow. It's got a really good, nice taper. Oh, yeah. my uh, gosh. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, so, good. so that concludes the, the first... First ever question and answer podcast for three of seven. Yeah, guys. And again, hit us up on this. Let us know if you enjoyed it. It's something that we can continue to do, whether it's monthly or whatever. Um, of course, we've enjoyed it. So we'll transition now um, into... No, you can you can leave it running. That's, that's cool. So we'll basically transition into 
three of seven and let you guys know where we are uh, with the project. And I don't want to really rush through this. So the podcast has already went pretty long. We may split it into two episodes. I don't know. But just kind of the story of three of seven and where it came from. And I think the main thing here is what Blake said earlier when he talked about it's taking the first step. Yeah. So the story of where 307 was born was literally just Blake and I just having a conversation around what can we do now that I'm out of the military and Blake's got a little bit of spare time, what can we do to provide some value to other human beings. And it was just us having a conversation around that and around what we're passionate about. And it was it was just it was just so organic. And I am not a businessman. I've never owned a business before in my life. I don't know about taxes. I don't know about like LLCs, like insurance, none of that stuff. We've literally had to figure out all this stuff along the way. Um, so it was just born out of a conversation and an idea is it, the yeah. best way that I can put it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, thinking back on it, I don't, I can't think of a time where we said, hey, let's start this business. It was just like, hey, we can help people by doing this. And we started doing it. And it, it grew into a, a business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we just figured this figured the steps out along the way. And um, uh, the name 3 of 7, I think, was, was something that we kind of got hung up on for a yeah. little while. You know, when we had this concept of the name 3 of 7 Project, we sent it out to people that we valued their opinions, that people that, that were more versed, well-versed, and experienced in business than we were. And we didn't get a lot of good feedback mm -hmm. on the name 3 of 7. Um, but it's turned into something that I think we both um, we, we both ended up liking it. We yeah. decided to stick with it. And the great thing about it is, is it, it, it sparks conversation because yeah. the, the actual uh, objective of the mission of 3 of 7 Project doesn't come right front and center until you understand what the name is and um it doesn't give people the opportunity to draw their opinion or draw you know come up with a conclusion about yeah, what it is yeah totally asking so it's really it's uh, over the last few months it's really just came alive uh thank you know thanks to you guys yep. th thanks to everyone out there that has uh, purchased a t-shirt or a hat or um, whatever it may be uh, on the product side, thanks to the companies that have hired me to come and share my message. Um, you know, that's all been wonderful. And we don't have, I don't, I don't think we have any parameters on where 3 of 7 Project has to go. Mm -hmm. And I think that is also confusing to a lot of business people because that's the first thing that we get. That's the first question we get is, you know, what is your long-term vision for this? And and I think in both of our minds, it's just we're having so much fun letting it flow. We're having so much fun interacting with you guys. We just want to let it continue to develop uh, into whatever that, you know, whatever lane it goes down. So, um, you know, and I think with the Q&A, you guys got to know Blake and I a lot better and kind of our roles within 3 of 7. Um, Blake really 
hammers out the the product side of the house. He keeps everything in order. Um, he does all the shipping. He does, you know, he's got a, a big time job there. So, um, and then what I've been doing mostly is um, social media stuff and then traveling around and, and doing these speaking engagements. So that's a big part of what we wanted to accomplish with this podcast is when you guys hear, when you guys hear Blake's voice on the podcast, we want you to know who he is as a person. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think we accomplished that. Yeah, through the Q and A. Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, talk about kind of the three lanes real quick of three of seven, just to kind of clarify what the products are that we have. So the first is the podcast. Um, we view this as like a free product that we put out because it costs money to produce this it, you know it, it is it is a product it takes a lot of time yeah it takes a tremendous amount of time but we we love it um this is definitely a lane that that we're going to stick with uh my vision for the podcast the podcast was kind of my baby and blake participates but it's still kind of my baby yeah. um and and my ultimate vision for 2020 is to uh, hit a million downloads. Um, that's what I would like to get. And of course, um, we, we can't get there without you guys. So help us achieve, please help us achieve this vision of the podcast. Um, just blast it out. If you're enjoying it, uh, give us a, a, a like or a comment on, um, on the iTunes app yeah. or the, the iPod app that helps us out tremendously and helps get the episode front and center. Um, in front of people that may not see it on social media. And then we've got the, uh, the physical products. Yep. And, um, yeah. Talk a little bit about that, Blake. It's been a fun yeah. journey, hasn't it? Oh man. Yes. It's a lot of work, but you know, we make a little money on it, but it, it in the end to, to me, it's not about the money made because really all the work that goes into it is probably not worth the money. But it's more about giving you guys something that you can go out and wear and someone ask you and then you can share our message with them and which is you guys' message. Our message for you and, and your message, y'all identify with it just like we do. So to me, I mean, and I've even messed up a couple of you guys' orders, you know, and and to me, I, I don't care about getting the shirt back. I'll send you what you ordered. It just all only thing we ask is you give that shirt to someone else to wear, you know. So so to us, uh, I think the products is just about putting it out there, another way to get it out there more, and, and to provide a quality, you know, something that's quality and worth wearing. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's like it's so awesome when I see a post or when I I get a message where somebody's worn a three to seven mm -hmm. shirt or hat at a race or yeah. some sort of event like like it just makes my entire day and i think it's just oh yeah it's, it's amazing and you know casey said it was going down the road the other day and uh, one of our buddies casey lives local here and he's he took a picture he saw a three or seven sticker on a on a truck going down the interstate so when you start seeing stuff like that that's out there it's, it's really cool Yep. So. so we're super we're super thankful. We'll continue to develop that product line. Um, we've got other monsters and other ideas of of kind of what we want to move forward with when it comes to those designs. Yeah. So uh, obviously we'll keep all that updated on the uh, Instagram page and then uh, 
a little bit on the podcast. We don't do a lot of self-promoting on the podcast. We try. Th- this is a rare episode where we just get to talk about 3F7 and talk about ourselves, but um, Instagram's definitely the best way to keep up with the products that are coming out. Um, and then sort of my other lane has been the um, speaking engagements. Uh, that's been a heck of a journey for me. I mean, I've traveled all over the U.S. and even out to New Zealand. I did some speaking out there. And um, so, like we mentioned earlier, I'm not naturally a public speaker. I don't enjoy talking and engaging over long periods of time. I, I don't really enjoy or get anything out of the spotlight or the stage. I'm not necessarily an entertainer. But what I've loved about this these live speaking engagements is the intimacy um, because you can listen to the podcast or you can watch us on Instagram Live like you're doing right now, but it's not the same as being face-to-face and getting to have that intimate conversation, whether it's beforehand or afterwards and, and getting to shake hands. And, you know, that's what I've, the value that I really get from the live uh, speaking engagements is that intimacy. And then also the Q and a is probably the thing I love most when I go and speak to a company or speak to a, a men's group or a church is, you know, I, I give my talk, which is not, uh, it's not supposed to be a motivational talk. It's a talk that's based around the tools that, that I have in my toolbox. And it's, it's my way to share that with you guys, um, and, and, and that speech is constantly evolving as I yeah. learn new things and as I, you know, recall new memories and, and see new lessons within my life that that's constantly evolving. But afterward, the Q&A is where we can really dig in with people on a face to face basis. And I've really enjoyed that aspect of, uh, of the speaking engagement. So we'll pursue that. We'll probably only book a few more for 2020. Um, they, uh, they require quite a bit of planning and, and travel and, and all of that. So, um, again, I, I have to, I feel like I have to earn my place on that stage. So in other words, I have to limit the number of speaking engagements that I book because I'm not going to go somewhere and speak if I haven't been able to do, if I've been too busy and I haven't been able to do the things that make me who I am, yeah. that I'm not going to go and speak. So we've, we've really put, put a, a number on that for 2020, and uh, we got a few spots left. So if you're interested, again, the info for that's on 307project.com. Um, and then the last thing that I want to talk about is the finishing school, which has been, I think, equally mine and Blake's yeah. lane. Um so, I know there's been a little confusion around what the finishing school is. Again, and again, that's by design. It's because I've wanted it to be the small and most intimate product that I can possibly offer. Um, so, everything, a lot of the things that go on with the finishing school are behind the scenes and a lot of the, the information is just for the six students that we're taking out for this mission in March. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll have some footage based around that class and that event 
come out after the event's over just so you guys can kind of see exactly what it is. Um, but in a nutshell, the finishing school is a full mission profile. It's, it's I have planned a mission that is similar to a mission that I would have planned for a SEAL platoon uh, as a SEAL instructor. And it doesn't involve shooting or firearms or anything like that. Uh, the value that we want to get out of the mission is for these six strangers to mesh together as a team, as a platoon, and they have to come up with a plan to execute this mission that I'm going to present them with. And then they go out into the field. They are going to make mistakes. Things are going to change. Things are going to happen that they don't foresee Things are going to happen that they could not have planned for. And then they have to adjust their plans and make new plans on the fly. So those leadership skills, that teamwork, and that type of stuff is essentially what we want to accomplish with the finishing school and what this mission will accomplish. Because yep. it's that's that's how a SEAL platoon meshes is through these training missions and this induced stress in a controlled environment. Um, and then just the byproduct of the skills that, that these six students will get is the finishing school is going to be, it's, it's an outdoor event. So it's going to be multiple days and nights out in the wilderness. So they're going to get all these backpacking, survival, gear, you name it, yeah. type of skills that are just going to be ancillary to the, the leadership skills and the actual life skills that they're going to be able to apply within business and within their families and within their teams at home. So that's the premise of it. Yeah. Um, you got any comments on that, Blake? No, I just, you know, that it will continue to evolve and in different levels of different classes I think will be offered, you know, in the future. But this will be the the first one, and we're fired up about it. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. And and this, this product, this finishing school, it's never going to be something that's going to be a – we, we can't scale this up to be something huge. Right. Um, this, is, this is always going to be a small, intimate um, – type of event yeah. um and like blake said i i think that there's there is there is uh validity in and a need for designing a different type of course that maybe somebody that's not as physically capable to complete the course we're putting on in march um or maybe they don't they, they can't make that time commitment yeah um, whatever it may be, but to have a course that, that would be a little more general and almost a starter course to then yeah. move up and, and accomplish the actual mission and the actual vision of what the finishing school is supposed to be. Um, it's a tough course, man. There's a spot on the course. Blake and I went out, out and did a proof of concept a few, uh, well, about a month ago, and we'll be yeah. going back out here in a few weeks to uh, just hammer everything out with our with our role-playing staff, but uh, there's, I mean, there's a section on the course that's about a mile and a quarter, and I anticipate it could take up to five hours yeah, to cover a, mi a mile and a quarter. It's brutal. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really 
not only physically challenging course, but again, from a mental aspect, it's even more so challenging. Yeah. So that's what the finishing school is, guys. And again, as it kind of unfolds, we'll put out some limited amount of footage to where you guys can see what it's all about. And we'll continue to push forward and keep you guys updated on that. Man, I can't think of anything else, really. I can't either. I should catch everything up. Yeah. And accomplish what we got on here for. Yeah, and I know that was a that's that's a that was a long show, guys. Thank you for sticking in there with us. And um, again, we it, it's so essential that we get your feedback yeah. on this show in particular because this is something that we have fun doing that we could do on a monthly basis. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to do it if you guys don't enjoy it. Right. So it's really essential that we get your feedback on this type of show. It's almost like a Q&A and then like a State of the Union address where where 307 is, That's what, right. you know, what we're planning on. And um, where should they review it at? Instagram yeah, or? so, um, gosh, yeah, the best place to let us know is on the 307 Project Instagram. So it's... It's three underscore of underscore seven project. And that's the three of seven Instagram page. Um, my page on Instagram, it's it's really difficult for me to keep up with. And um, so the three of seven page, we all kind of tag team on that. Yep. So, you know, not, not much slips through the cracks. Um, and then just on that note, another thing, guys, every single message that you guys send me, whether it's email, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, if you send it to me personally, I read every single one of those messages and every single one of those comments. I read every single email. I the, There's literally not, an, there wouldn't be enough time in the day for me to respond to every single one. As much as I want to, there just isn't time. But just know if you reach out to me, if you send me a message, it's getting read, I promise you. I take it to heart. I appreciate it. I yeah. value it uh, on a high, high level. So thank you guys so much, every single person that sent me a DM, that sent me an email. Same to Blake. Yep. So, all right, guys. Awesome show. Thanks a lot. This is the 3 of 7 podcast. Enough said. Enough said.